Bibles. Hold them up. This is my Bible. God's Holy Word. I can be what it wants me to be. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. All right, Psalms, chapter number 90. In our series about the priorities of ownership. First week we kind of did an overview of all of them. Last week we talked about <coughs> treasures. This week we're going to talk about time. How many of you have heard this statement, we all have the exact same amount of time? Something to that effect. Yep. You're going to think, Pastor, you're off your rocker. I tell you, that's not true. It's not true. We don't all have the exact same amount of time. Now, we all, there is 24 hours in a day. So there are seven days in a week. We don't all have the same amount of time. I was in kindergarten, went to Christian school. Well, my dad was starting a church in Michigan. He drove for the Christian school, drove the bus. On Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, he drove the bus. On Wednesdays, he didn't drive the bus because he had to get ready for Wednesday night church. And the bus usually didn't get back from dropping all the kids off till after five. And then it was almost a half hour back to our house and getting ready for it. And so he just didn't drive on, on uh, Wednesday night after school. Like I said, I was in kindergarten. They were dropping kids off from driving down the interstate I-94 in Michigan. There's a semi-truck driver. He had those big concrete tubes on the back of his flatbed truck. Between being drunk and having driving non-stop for, I it was getting 70, I think they said it was 76, 77 hours he's been driving. No sleep. Taking no-dos or five-hour energy or whatever, but it, it, he was drunk and on top of no sleep. He, wintertime, lost control of the semi-truck. Rear-ended the bus and shoved it into the concrete pillar that holds up a bridge. His cargo, because he was going well over the speed limit, broke whatever was tying down, slid across the top of the cab of the truck, landed on the roof of the bus, and crushed it. Only, only four kids were killed. Several others were injured. Every single one of those four kids that were killed were in kindergarten or first grade. Any other day that would have happened, I would have been on the bus because my dad would have been driving it and I just hung out with it. My best friend was killed. Six years old. We don't all have the same amount of time. I hate to break it to you. When I was a teenager, we 
I used to think that his, man, he has some really strict parents. I mean, his parents were just, everybody, all kids, you think, listen, I thought my parents were funny daddies. You think your parents are funny daddies. They think their parents are funny daddies. You just think your parents are funny daddies. Just not, I mean, I just think, man, as bad as my parents are, his parents are really bad. I mean, he couldn't do anything. He'd come out and play basketball teenager. No. He'd ride, come, ride to the convenience store. No. Well, he plays sports. Can you try out for the, no. Recess, he never did anything at recess. He just always, I used to think to myself, man, that's just crazy. Parents won't let him do anything. Several years after I got to know him, I found out he wasn't his parents. He had what they call ADHD. And he didn't take medicine for it. He, whatever, you know, he fought through it, but he couldn't concentrate for very long. And what took me five or ten minutes to do my after school work, take him hours. He couldn't concentrate, he couldn't stay focused. They just didn't have extra time to go play, to try out for sports. It took every moment of his day just to, and listen, he wasn't what you consider a smart kid. He got C's. I didn't try and got high B's and low A's, and I didn't try. Not worth my time. I got more important things to do. I'd go play basketball or hockey or football or ride my bike or hang out with friends. Listen, we didn't have to say a long time. The priority of time is very high. Half jokingly, we've heard again this saying before. I don't know why I closed my Bible. That was stupid. Time is money. And then I tell people, listen, I. My time's not cheap. You can't afford me. Listen, my, my time, time is money. Why? Because no matter what, we all have a limited amount of time. You might only have five, six years like some of my friends did, or you might be able to get into your 90s. But we all have a limited amount of time. And as we look at the priority of time, I want to remind us of the four principles. God owns everything, including our time. We don't own it. And he entrusts you. He entrusts you with the time that he's given you. You can either increase or diminish what God's given you. And at any time, God can ask for a report card. He can call you in to account of the resources that he's given you. Look at Psalms chapter number 90, verse number 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even forever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. Listen, when the 
aspect of our time, the first thing I want us to look at is this. Trust you're secure in an eternal God. We have to trust that we are secure in an eternal God. Why? Because you, you don't know. Clayton had his birthday this year and 11 just this past week. And it, it got me thinking. I do I think it's a Barnhart curse. Male curse at least. I didn't tell him this is the first he's, he's gonna hear of it, so teenage years aren't kind to Barnhart men. I blew out my knee when I was nineteen years old. I got in this severe car accident. My I was telling uh Miss Joyce and the Coles, my dad blew up his hand when he was 19 years old. My uncle got in severe car accident when he was 19 years old. My cousin chopped off his knuckle when he was, I think he was 17 years old, playing with a samurai sword, chops off his list. You're, I'm sorry, guys. I think you're in for a rust. My family already referred to it as the Barnhart male curse. But what? We could be secure and knowing that God is going to take care of us. As I said that, I was in a, a bad car accident. I was letting someone else drive and spun the car around, hit the guardrail going backwards, flew out the back window of the car, landed on the pavement on my head. Listen, we hit the end of the guardrail. Think about had that been four feet the other way. There's no guardrail. Two Two feet the other way, we probably hit the guardrail and still went off the cliff. But you got to be listen. God's in control. So while it can be a sobering thought to realize our limited time, we also it also can be a wonderful thought to know that God's in control. It's not us. While our life is short, God's eternal. That's why it's so important to have a biblical worldview and a personal relationship with Jesus. If you have a naturalistic worldview, your security is in yourself. How much money I can make, how much bank account, how much money I can put in my bank account so I can take care of myself. And listen, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself, taking care of your family. They're, they're talking about by next year everything's going to cost 50% more than it did a year ago. Listen, if, you're, if your security is found in money, then we're in trouble. And you're kind of, you're going to have ulcers. People have heart attacks. Stress. Why? Because they think that it's they have to do everything. And we'll get to that more in a, later on. But it's important that everyone knows Jesus is their Savior. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. Romans chapter number 8, verses 38 and 39 
Paul says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other thing can separate me from God. I think that covers just about everything. Paul says there's not, listen, I'm not, well, I, I might have concerns. I don't have any worries. Really, I, I can't be an ostrich and stick my head in the sand and pretend that everything's okay. He's like, I'm not going to get stressed out about anything. Listen. John R. Rice gets caught in the back alley of church. Guy sticks a gun in his gut. I'm going to kill you. Can't threaten me with heaven. I'm sure that John and Rice really didn't want to die that day. And he didn't. But listen, God's in control. We have got to take responsibility. We've got to take ownership of our priorities. We hear it all the time. We've, we've heard all the time. Especially the last year and a half, they keep moving the goalposts. Well, when we get rid of this virus, everything will get back to normal. From the very beginning, you ain't getting rid of it. I realize it's really bad. It's a really bad virus. I'm not trying to make little of it. But it's the flu. It's the cold. Okay, it's a really bad variation and it's something that no one has had natural immunity to, so it's going to hit us hard. But listen, we ain't getting rid of the cold, we ain't getting rid of the flu, we ain't getting rid of pneumonia, we ain't getting rid of bronchitis. They're all generally the same thing. We ain't getting rid of it. Well, then we get this and this and this. If When we finally get, we'll get back to normal. Well, if, if Trump was still president, we wouldn't be seeing... can't control those things. Life would be better. How do you know that? Listen, as, as you guys, it's no secret to anybody, no matter their political affiliation, Biden isn't all there. And I'm not saying that to be mean. He just isn't all there. Hey, can I be honest with you? Reagan wasn't all there either. I'm just being honest with you. But how do you know if, if the election didn't get stolen? You don't know what it would be like. We're constantly trying to... We use all our time and all our energy to... to Preserve things the way that we want them. Well, you know, in the good old days. When was that, by the way? It was, at the, was it the 1980s where drugs were, I mean, as bad as drugs are then, they were really bad back then. I realized it was a new thing on the block. But you don't see it in commercials and 
I haven't, the last time I've seen, you know, say no to drugs, I mean, I think it's kind of the point, either you're going to do them or you don't. Don't do them, by the way, right? Or was it the, back in the 60s and 70s where you constantly worried about Russia hitting us with a nuclear bomb? Was, was that the good old days? Is it? We can't, there, there was no good old days. They just weren't. You, you got to live with whatever is happening in your society, and you can't. Life is a fluid thing, it changes. We're so concentrated on trying to preserve things the way that we want them and the, the way that they're supposed to be, the way that we're used to. So listen, our, our security isn't, shouldn't be in what we're used to. Our security should be in God. Listen, He's been our dwelling place, it says, for all generations. I saw one the other day. We, we all hear about people saying, well, you know, what, what, what type of world are we going to live for our kids and grandkids? I saw one the other day. What, what type of kids and grandkids are you going to leave for this world? Listen, we've got to have, that's why it's important that we have a relationship. Listen, that's the only thing that's going to keep them safe. Whether, whether or not China or India or Iraq or Iran ever gets nuclear weapons or ever uses nuclear weapons. Listen, it's not, it's not the security isn't the fact that we can nuke them to death if we had to. How many of you remember the old movie, War Games? Ever. If, some, if, one, if somebody hits the red button, we're all in trouble because we're all toast. Our security isn't in the fact that we've got some fancy military. Listen, our security isn't in the fact that we're the richest country in the, in the world. Our security has to be in the fact that in Him is our dwelling place. His, the fact that God's eternal means you can never escape His presence. Before the mountains were brought forth, but before creation, you can't ever escape God's presence. Listen, Jonah tried it. Well, I'm going to go down to the ship and I'm going to go down to the bottom of the ship and I'm going to go hide from God. Elijah tried it. He went to hide in a cave. God came in a still small voice. What are you doing here? You got things to do. You're not being a very good ownership of the time I've given you. Well, Lord, I just want to die, liar. You say, how do you know he's lying? Because if he wanted to die, he should have just stayed put. Jezebel was more than likely to take care of that for him. He didn't want to die. 
our security is in the fact that he's eternal. You can't ever escape it. So many times, see, so many times we were programmed to think of things in a negative way. God's always watching you. You can't get away with nothing. They use that as a fear tactic. But listen, God's always got you. He's always watching you. There's nothing, nothing's ever taken God by surprise. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows what you can and can't handle based on trusting him. We're just constantly pre-programmed to think everything is the negative. There's a psychology test that they do. Basic psychology test. You take a white piece of paper, you take a sharpie, you put a black dot in the middle of the paper. You hold it up and you ask the class, what do you see? What do you see? Well, everybody's going to say the black dot. That takes up less than 1% of the sheet of paper. They don't see the sheet of paper. Why? Because we're pre-programmed to always look towards the negative. Listen, for the past two years, people have felt alone. Recently, there was an elderly gentleman who died. And listen, on the death certificate, the cause of death was isolation. He officially died of being alone. I mean, that's what's on his death certificate. Isolation. To me, that's an interesting way to list the cause of death. But anyway, listen, without interaction, this 95-year-old man was left to live for what? Couldn't see anybody? Couldn't do anything. Hospital was have radically changed. Constantly worried about. Listen, when Brother Mater was in the hospital, I didn't know if I was allowed to go up and see him or not because they keep saying, you know, only only one person's allowed to go see him and so on and so forth. And I listen, I, I don't. I, I'm assuming that Brother Mater loves me, but I'm pretty sure he loves his wife. And I realized that he was unconscious, but I'm pretty sure he'd rather know she was there. Oh, I was there. And, we, and eventually we, we got that all worked out. And so I was able to go see him. And then we really had fun with the rules because Michael went up to go see him and Brock went up to go see him. And that got ourselves in trouble because we're all pastors. We're, all, we're playing the pastor card. Well, listen, it's just changed. And, I mean, and it's, it's different for every hospital. Our hospital here in town is different than, listen, I, I know that there was one hospital uh, I heard about where you, you, you got one person forever. I mean, that was it. It was the only person that was ever allowed to see you while you're in the hospital, but they could come and go freely. But when you checked into the hospital, this was my one person, and I mean, there was no temperature checks, and you didn't have to wear a mask. It was just, this was the one person. You only get one for the entirety of your stay. Well, listen, our society has changed. 
Last week was the stewardship of our priorities. And I think it ties well into the stewardship of our time with our relationship with Jesus. If God's the eternal one and he's the only one who is present in all times to provide security, then cultivating a relationship with God should be the most important focus and greatest joy and provide the most stability for our lives. God's eternity is the security blanket we all want. Linus, you know, we all know Linus, right? I know some of the little kids might not know, but you know, Snoopy, hello. He's got his blanket everywhere he goes. Kids with their stuffed animal, bear, whatever it might be, a lot of times they carry it everywhere they go. Right, that's a security blanket. How many of you heard this? Well, Christianity's just a crutch for you. You better believe it. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Take my security blanket with me. Thank you very much. Why? Because without it, you ain't going to make it. His eternity provides hope that those who come after can also enjoy his presence. What kind of hope? I'm working on right now trying to piece together a mini-series on what real hope is. It's not, we just finished our series on, on modesty last Wednesday night, and it's not what we think it is. It has to do with more about who you are and the way you interact with people in a pleasant, helpful, loving way than it ever has to do with what clothes you put on. Listen, hope isn't what we think it is either. But the fact of this, God's these, these turtles should give us security for our children and our grandchildren. Listen, when this all happened last year, Kendra made the statement, I don't know what type of world... And listen, we don't know what type of world our kids and grandkids are going to grow up with. But the fact is this, God's in control, He's eternal, and that gives us all the security that we need. And we don't like it from a human aspect. We don't like that very much. You've heard me say it, we all like to be control freaks. (laughs) One way or another, we're all control freaks. We like to be in control. See, God's promise is that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. Literally, Jesus, God made that promise thousands of years ago. And if he's kept it for this long, he can keep it for however long he needs to. All of, all of the promises in the Bible that we you know, take them personal. You better take them personal. But guess what? They're personal for everybody. For every generation, for every nationality. Listen, you don't, you don't, you don't have the corner market on God. You don't, you don't have an inside track. You don't have insider trading information. God doesn't give you a time card. The Christian worldview 
for the proper use of time is that your security and the security for those who follow you is in a personal relationship with Jesus. Look at verse number three. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, and when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with the flood, they are as sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth, it groweth up, in the evening is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thy anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all thy days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet it is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thy anger, even according to the fears, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Listen, make the most of our limited time. We've got to make the most of our limited time. So many times we think of the extremes. I mean, I told you the story of kids who died when they were six years old. That's, let's just be honest, that's not, normally kids don't die when they're six years old. That's a story of an extreme. But the point is this, to make the most of whatever your time is. We live in this strange sense of life takes forever when we're suffering. And we're eagerly anticipating an exciting event and the other senses where life comes too close to call. But in the end, at the end of the day, we all know life is short. What is that saying? Days are long, but the years are short. God was kind enough to tell us that even though it's hard news to hear. Part of making the most of our time is to view the times of suffering from God's perspective. Listen, I, I, again, not health, wealth, and prosperity. We all go through hard times. But what does verse number four say? A thousand years is as a day. In the grand scheme of things, that situation that you find yourself in, and listen, it, it might last a week, it might last a month, it might last a year, it might last ten years, or even longer. Paul's thorn in the flesh, he had to live with the rest of his life. But a thousand years is as a, as a day, it really isn't that long. And we can take comfort in the fact that Listen, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Mater came up for, from downstairs and she had a cane. And I was like, I just, at first I thought she was just had Brother Mater's cane. And then I looked and Brother Mater has his cane. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing with your cane? And she twisted her knee. I know what that feels like. And so I asked her, I was like, is that the good knee or the bad knee? And as it was coming out of my mouth, I remembered what the doctor told me. There's no such thing as having, once you have one bad knee, you don't have a good knee anymore. 
Because the other one's going to go bad because you baby the bad one. And so you got to live with that for the rest of your life. But whether it happened to you when you're 19 years old and you've got to live how much time I got left, a thousand years is a day. It's really not that long. Slowly but surely, everybody dies. Somewhere in their 20s or even younger, others make it to an elderly age, but so far there's not one person that's lived forever. Think, think about it. People say, what, what about Jesus? He died. He just happened to come back. Listen, you you ain't we're not, outside of God coming back. You ain't gonna escape it. You can prolong it. You can, but you're not gonna escape it. But for the Lord God eternal, a thousand years is like a day. Probably you realize this, but if you think about it, but I'll just tell you, a thousand years is 20 generations. 20 generations. In our time, it's 20 generations. In God's time, it's a day. The fact that God's eternal should comfort us. We have to consider. This is help us to number our days. Help us to take priority. Because eventually it's the cock's gonna curl, the clock's gonna hit midnight. The glass slipper turns back into a pumpkin. The door. <laughs> Listen, the door to the ark closed and it never opened again. Wise stewards of time constantly seek how to best live under the weight of the curse of sin. Listen, I, I, I know I've told you this before. I kind of have a hero complex. Not that I think I'm all that and bag of chips. I just, it really irks me when things don't go the way that they're supposed to go. I've got myself into a lot of situations in my life because someone did something that I didn't think was right to a friend of mine. Elementary school, the kid, and he was a jerk, he was an idiot, and, and I say this in all 100% honesty, he's an idiot. And the fact that he failed Elementary school twice. I mean, he was, he was in fourth grade. He was supposed to be in sixth grade. I mean, he's stupid. I'm not trying to be mean. Whatever. And he's just, so he's bigger than everybody else. Started picking on a friend of mine. I was little. 
and my mouth opened. You know what they always say? Don't open your don't open your mouth. You know the cancer check that your body. Is. <laughs> I opened my mouth. Thankfully, I, I had one thought. One thought in my head: If I stop, he's going to kill me. But I didn't stop. Took three teachers to pull me off of the kid. I said, "Don't don't pick on a friend of mine. It's not it's not going to be good." Guy in, in college, thankfully I didn't get into fight physical fist fights, but I got into some intellectual ones with people because you pick on my friends. Authority figures. And one of the, the, the dean, me and the dean of women, she didn't like me and I didn't like her. A friend of mine had money stolen from her dorm room. That was cash. There's no way to prove it, right? They did an investigation. Couldn't be proved. Because it couldn't be proven. They gave her the merits for lying. And I'm like, well, we're going we're gonna to have some fun with this one. Listen, don't mess with my... Buddy, i got a hero complex. Be people say. But we've got to learn to operate in a sin-cursed earth. Because listen, bad things happen to good people. And I don't like it. One, sooner, sooner or later, if it's not answered, I promise you this. It might take a thousand years. It might take 10,000 years. I don't know when. But I'm going to ask God this. Why in the world did you let Naaman happen? He got killed all because he did exactly what you told him to do. And you let him die for it. Listen, there, listen, there are some things that me and God disagree on. God, I think you're wrong. With the information that I have, it was wrong of you to let that happen. But I don't have all the information. And so, and, 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 and we could all think of stories where that, that's just that's just wrong. That should have never happened. And it irritates us. Well, we have to, but l- listen, fighting those battles aren't always the best use of our limited time. Especially when it happens amongst Christians. Listen, you, you expect certain things from the world. Well, then we can get distracted. Sometimes the good can distract us from the best. The apostles said what? I mean, there's people were dying. Nero was killing people. We can't leave the work of the ministry to go feed widows. Is it good to feed widows? But we can't do it. So we're going to elect deacons that do that job so we can do our best job and so people are still taken care of. Can I say this? Taking ownership doesn't always mean 
taking ownership of our time doesn't mean that we're always going to do more. So many times we, we constantly think about, well, you know, we're, we're going to do more, we're going to do more, we're going to do more, we're going to do more. Listen, that, you, you can, there is such a thing as being too busy. God rested on the seventh day, right? And I know we all realize that. But it's not taking ownership, taking control of our time isn't necessarily so we can do more. It's so that we can do what's important. Because our, our world has dangers of various kinds that continually threaten us. Whether it's hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, wars, or a little virus and bacteria. Can I tell you what? It's can be something else tomorrow. You say, so what, Pastor? Are we supposed to be depressed? I mean, welcome to encouraging Baptist church sermon this morning, right? We're all going to leave depressed and bothered and be bummed out and Sit and do nothing. No, the Bible says what teaches to number our days in order to present a heart of wisdom. Wisdom doesn't act like it's going to live forever. Act like we're invincible. Act like it's guaranteed the next day. Wisdom says we're going to make the most of today and all the days to come. Doesn't we make sure that we have our priorities straight? Spend time with your family. Spend time with God. I told I don't. Uh, the, maybe it was a de- delayed reaction, but Joel turned four the day after Clayton turned eleven. I took her out for a donut. She gets to ride in a big girl booster seat now. She's not in a car seat anymore. Kendra started crying. Not bad, it's just a little bit. Maybe it was worse after I left, I don't know. But you don't get a lot of time with your kids. I told you, listen, I Clayton turned 11. That's, he's closer to not being at home anymore than he is when he was born. Seven-ish years, and he goes off to college. Make sure you prioritize your time. I remember Brother Motter saying that. And listen, I I, I talked to all his kids. I've talked to his... uh, I don't think that he was a bad dad. But he said when he was laying in the hospital bed, he said he wished he spent more time with his kids than what he did. And I don't know that he didn't spend a lot. I'm pretty sure he spent a lot of time with his kids. He said sometimes you have to, he was always there for all the games, but sometimes he missed practices. Wish he was there for the practices. Instead of kids, instead of being constantly irritated that your parents are so restrictive and they're fuddy-duddies and how old school. 
contribute to the family. In our work, in our school, whatever, we need to put our best effort. Use our time wisely. Look at verse number 13. Return, O Lord, how long, and let me repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad in all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servant, and thy glory unto thy children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Ask the Lord to give us grace to live a life of joy. Look at Philippians chapter number four. This just jumped out at me this week as I was putting this together. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Actually, do do Colossians, because you're going to... Turn by that on your way to first Thessalonians. <coughs> Colossians chapter number four, verse number two. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray without ceasing. The bad news doesn't depress us. It should motivate us. Motivate us in our walk with Jesus and in the use of our time. The joy of seeing God work in his time. The Bible says redeem the time. We've got to have joy. Without joy, we're, life is long. And it doesn't mean that bad things doesn't happen. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Listen, there's <laughs> so many things and we'll just Make a blanket statement. The, the war, if you're lost, you can't experience anything the way that you're supposed to. You, the world wants peace. They're not going to have peace because they don't, they don't know peace. They don't literally, Jesus is peace. They don't know peace. Joy. You're not going to have joy because you don't know who joy is. I think I said it the other week. I'll say it again. The sun is the center of the universe. 
Physically, that's an S-U win. Spiritually, that's S-O win. He, listen, we were talking of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temper, I've heard, you know what they are. We, we constantly think of those things as things, as possessions. We have to attain those things. And then, hopefully, in, in our spiritual growth, we get to the point where we realize that we allow the Holy Spirit to, and God to implement those things into our life. But I want you to think about this for a second. They're not things. They're Jesus. He is love. He is joy. He is peace. Do you want those things or you gotta get Jesus? You want those things, you gotta let Jesus run your life. Way too many Christians have fire insurance. And that's it. And they don't have love, they don't have joy, they don't peace, they don't have contentment, they don't have love, they ain't got nothing. They're running around like a chicken with their head cut off. They're not prioritizing their time. The other week I told you about Mary and Martha. Martha's running around doing one doing wonderful things. I mean, she's you know, cleaning the house and getting the bedroom ready for Jesus and cooking a wonderful meal and getting the decorations up and, and planning the party and all of that. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with any of that. She just wasn't using her time wisely because Jesus said, listen, Martha, while I appreciate that, you're not always going to have me. I want you to appreciate me. Not the idea of me, not the, I want you to, me. Don't waste your time. We need to ask the Lord to help us to make the most of our time. The other day, listen, I... It's funny how the Lord works. Obviously, he knew when I was putting the sermon calendar together that this sermon was going to be this day. I didn't put two and two together. I'm not that smart. I crammed all of my office work into three days. Thursday's going to be Clayton's day, so I took him golfing and some other things, and Joelle took out for donut. Joelle's her day. I didn't come into the office Thursday or Friday. Bad pass. I, I say so. I I actually like my family most of the time. I always like at least one of them. Right? My my favorite child is the one who's behaving at the time, just as we're say. I forgot what what night it was. Thursday night, Friday night. I can't remember. We're kind of running together. I kind of was drudging having to go back to everyday life. I like spending time with my family. I realize there are things that we have to do. I understand that. Unfortunately, the society we live in 
I told you the other week, probably the one of the biggest lies that have been perpetrated on modern civilization, this idea that in the morning everybody goes their separate ways to do something they don't like want to do. Unfortunately, the society we live in can't fight that too much. But what we can do is prioritize our time. Is it isn't always about doing more. Matter of fact, I would venture to say I'm not saying that we should be lazy and not do anything. But I would say probably most of us are probably doing too much of the wrong thing and not enough of the right thing. If we're, we're working 60, 80, 90 hours a week, and I realize maybe sometimes you got to, but to make it day in and day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. Also, you can build your bank account. You're doing the wrong thing. I realize you got to provide for your family. But when that starts taking away from your time in the Bible, I don't, I don't have time to read my Bible every day. I got to get up and I got to go to work and I got to work 10, 12, 14 hours and I got to do it six, seven days a week. You're not prioritizing your time. I wish I could remember where this will be done. One of the famous preachers of the past, my, I can't remember exactly which one it is. He said, if, if I had a normal day, a normal schedule, I'd get up in the morning and do my Bible reading and I'd spend two hours of prayer. He's like, on, on days where I just had a really busy schedule, I had to get up in the morning and do my Bible reading, eat breakfast, and I'd spend four hours in prayer. He said, on days when there was just no possible way for me to get everything done that I had to get done, I'd get up, do my Bible reading, eat breakfast. He said, I'd spend six hours in prayer. He said, it doesn't make any sense. You got too much to do and you're going to spend, the more you got to do, the more time you spend in prayer. Prioritize your time. He said, it's amazing. I got everything done I had to get done. See, we, we start cutting God out. We start cutting out the insignificant and the unimportant. I mean, we start cutting out the significant and the important for the insignificant and un unimportant. That example I used with the bowls. See, we, we, we're going to take the wiffle ball out before we ever take the pebbles out. And then if we still need more room, we're going to start taking golf balls out before we take the pebbles out. So we might have to Quit doing some things. But we need to make sure that we quit doing the things that aren't important. 
Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. We are thankful.